Hey everyone, before we tee up today's conversation, I wanted to give a little PSA for everyone listening. We're releasing this Thanksgiving week of 2021. Many of you likely have started or nearly started your 2022 planning. Please, 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 please make it a top priority to put together a business continuity and contingency plan. If you've already got one, that's fantastic, but revisit it going into the new year. With cyber attacks continuing to rise in both frequency and severity, it's imperative that you know what your risks are, how you're going to mitigate downside, and most importantly, how you're going to respond if you suffer an attack. One of the biggest things I hope you take away from listening to the show is that insurance cannot be your only mitigation tool. You absolutely need to have it in your arsenal, but you'll be sorry if you aren't doing more to harden your business beforehand. If you don't have anyone to talk to about this, uh, about getting a business continuity plan in place, please reach out to me. I've got some referrals uh, that I love to pass along. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Policy. I'm your host, Andrew Carell. Building a company is really hard, even when the world is normal, but throwing a global pandemic, it makes you appreciate so much more how company culture is built on in-person interaction. My guest today is John Four, CEO of TrustLayer. He's built the majority of his team during COVID-19. They've had a transition from being an in-person team in one room with a whiteboard to a decentralized group spread across multiple time zones. During a conversation, we touch on things like how important building habits of asynchronous communication are in a virtual environment, just how much we underestimate overhearing in-person conversations, recreating the in-office energy and morale over Zoom and Slack, as well as how to instill confidence of everyone you work with to duck out of a meeting if they shouldn't be there. I'll give you a hint. It starts with the CEO himself throwing up the peace sign in multiple meetings and encouraging others to do so. This episode is packed full of advice from a team that just raised their Series A, but it's also a very honest conversation about navigating a global pandemic. It sure hasn't been easy, ever, and it's had its share of down moments. But I'm most impressed with John and his team's fearlessness to keep moving forward and finding ways to celebrate huge milestones, even under less than ideal circumstances. After the episode, please visit howyouinsurethat.com to catch up on all of our latest episodes. And with that, please enjoy my conversation with John Four. All right, John Four, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for, boy, that recording in progress is, is so jarring. <laughs> During during sales calls, when you're like, <laughs> like, you're like boom, uh, I got the spotlight on me now. Hopefully, hopefully, no one really is watching. I'm really excited for for our conversation today. Wanted to dive into challenges that that, that you've experienced related to communication across a, a decentralized team, especially one um, that's scaling rapidly. Wanted to kick it off. A trust layer. Uh, were you guys always meant to be a distributed team? I guess the joys of building a company in a pandemic, huh, man? Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It is challenging. Thanks again for having me on. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, the, from, from my perspective, thankfully, when, when you're running a startup, you've got to deal if you've got, are you going after a big enough problem? Do you actually have a solution that fits? And, and for us, thankfully, we have that. 
And then can you meet the demand? And, and for that, you need to build a team, empower them as much as possible, and then get the hell out of the way. And and doing that in a pandemic is, is I, I think, is certainly one of the more challenging topics of or the more aspects of building of building this business, because you have so many people that are coming on. Or I don't know, maybe like five, we're probably four times larger, over four times larger than we were at the beginning of the year, and so from our team, and and so trying to figure like once we hit twenty people. We got to the stage where it's tough to figure out what everyone's doing every day. And I know when I, when I talk to other founders, nine times out of 10, we're talking about like, how do you build culture? How do you increase communication? How do you, how do you just simply like knowledge sharing and like building culture is like challenging when a lot of these people haven't met each other and you're not in a, you're not in a uh, central office. So wanted to unpack that a little bit. One of the, the common stories that I hear about very early stage companies that are just post-formation, a handful of people that fit in an office space, got some whiteboards around there. There's that, that just natural knowledge sharing, that knowledge, it becomes just tribal knowledge. One, how is that different in a decentralized team? And then two, how have you navigated that in a scaling, scaling team to make sure that you're cataloging that? and making it accessible to current team members and, and, and folks you have, will, will certainly bring on in the future. Well, I think there's some things we're doing well and some things that we definitely need to improve on. So the, the importance of improving asynchronous communication is at the absolute top of that list and, and trying to figure out like, what are ways that, you know, how difficult is it to get, <laughs> how difficult is it to get like three people to coordinate if they like find a time for three people to chat, let alone like four people. So if you can find a way for, like, if I'm reviewing your deck and I just record my view and Slack that to you, and then you can record your comments on a like video recording your comments on the deck, that's pretty exciting because now, like, within, like, what takes, took me, like, two or three minutes to do, I can share that. And it doesn't have to be the same time. So trying to find any way that you can, like, asynchronously communicate is is key. We... I know other companies have done this well. We, we don't do this really well of having like written like assessments where instead of us getting on an hour long and discussing, having like five people talk about something for, for an hour, uh, trying to find ways, what if I just write like a, a short little memo with my assessment of something or something like some team lead does that. We are not doing that uh, very well right now, but I know a number of other companies that, that, have, that have sworn by that. And a lot of other companies have much more written culture. Uh, but that's something that, that, uh, I think is interesting. We, we just haven't, we just haven't done a, a lot of that right now. So what, what you're describing to me, like doing that, that asynchronous communication, whether it's, it's video written, that to me sounds like what office culture used to be and what a lot of meetings used to be. So now that you're taking the approach of doing that asynchronously, what do meetings look like at Trustlayer? Well, actually, I don't know if they, I don't know if they, I don't know if they are. I mean, I feel like back, I mean, everyone knows like that prior job was you'd get like pulled into these like crappy meetings and you just have to sit there for hours listening to like people drone. And like, especially, you know, early in your career, you don't feel like you have the gravitas to just like walk out of the meeting. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, nodding in agreement over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're trying to create a culture where if you are, unnecessary like you're necessary everyone in our company is super necessary in their business they may not need to be in that meeting so like you should feel free to just peace out 
at any time if you're not if you, if you're not uh, necessary in that in that meeting or, or or if you think your time could be spent better elsewhere. How do you go about but, modeling that? I think like it, it's super important to have that come from the top. So one, I do it uh, myself, <laughs> and politely excuse yourself, and then two, just repeat the heck out of yourself. That's another element of I didn't quite. I mean, I don't know if any. I don't know. I'm sure there's smarter people than me, but there are that that uh, trying to trying to build this a, a a very fast growing company in the middle of a, a pandemic in like a virtual environment has proven to be is challenging because you don't have the momentum going in from before, so you don't have like the norms and processes going into going into a virtual environment. We didn't have a marketing team before. We never like we didn't have anyone in marketing or like even. We didn't have a sales team before the pandemic. So all these teams have to like grow. We didn't have a customer success team before the pandemic. Now we have to build all these and just over communicating is vital. And so I may have told like three people this and then, but if I get on a Zoom with one person or two people and I haven't told them, I have to keep, uh, I feel like I'm just like repeating myself again and again, but that's really important when you're in the environment. So many of us find ourselves, but now that things are going like less virtual, going into a hybrid, it's so much better than even what it was uh, earlier. I mean, the beginning of this summer, everyone was, I was, I was so damn it because I thought we were out of the woods and things have become a little bit more limited, a little more locked down, but it's been going into a hybrid environment has been, has been really important for us. In the very first day we were in a hybrid environment, there were two junior employees that were talking about something that were completely OBE. Like it was, it had no, like we were no longer doing the project anymore. And I just thought to myself, if I hadn't overheard these two folks, they would have ta- they would have been working on this project for a week before I realized that they were working on something that has no relevance to what we're working on anymore. And and so that's why, like, just being able to overhear, you can't, it cannot be the value of being uh, over, able to just overhear what your colleagues are working on is is so vital. Uh, how do you find a proxy for that in a decentralized environment and a virtual environment where I work having so many cross-functional projects going on? It's tough to keep everybody informed that needs to be informed and it's yeah. never malicious. It's just sometimes it's Oh my it God, there's the cracks, a game of telephone, right? right? Yeah. Like Timmy tells Sally and Sally tells Stephen and Stephen tells Sarah and it goes on and on. It's everything we talked about before, like asynchronously, like trying to share it with as wide of a group as possible. At the same time, also allowing for work, despite my, people don't want to have their boss or their boss's boss always like reading what they're doing. So making sure that the team that's, or the individuals that is closest to that project feel comfortable to communicate directly without um, fear of, of judgment. I tell everyone that, that starts at Trustlayer that I expect that they're going to make mistakes. Uh, there's so much white space. The one thing that I don't want them to do is wait to be asked to do something. I need them to like see the white space, which is like a problem or something that needs to be done and then execute it, execute on something, a solution. And I expect that sometimes maybe like somewhat on a somewhat regular basis, they may make mistakes and they may screw up. That's fine. I'd much rather have folks overstep and do something a little bit too forward than feel nervous or that they don't have permission to do something. Everyone at our team has permission to step on the gas whenever they see an opportunity. And then if we need to pull them back, but, but thankfully we've just hired a kick-ass team and they've been able to uh, stand, stand course most of the time. 
when you've got something like that, I would imagine that having like a robust communication stack, whether it's project management tools to give you a layer into a little bit of what people are working on, where they are in the process. You'd mentioned doing some video recordings for async feedback. What What's your current communication stack look like? So we use, like we use Gong for our, our communication with customers. And that's a great way. We'll even tag in the calls. So when I'm talking to a customer and they're, they're identifying bugs or like some features that they would want added or someplace where like, we need to improve our platform. I'll actually very clearly say the name of the person on my team who I think should be listening to that, even if they're not on the call. So that after the fact, they can go to the call and just within, within Gong and, and find their name mentioned. We use a couple different project management tools. The dev team uh, uses Clubhouse. And then we have, although I think it has a new name now. And then we use, we use Asana for this and then Notion. I wanted to switch gears here um, into culture on scaling decentralized teams. You hear stories about the startup office environment and the things that, that we're all familiar with. How does that culture shift in a decentralized environment? How do you keep up morale? How do you keep up motivation? How do you manufacture that energy? I think we're becoming a lot more uh, present. The challenge though, is we have gotten so, at least us, we got so accustomed to hiring like top talent, wherever they are. It means they're not all in one location where, oh crap, like we've hired like this rock star in Iowa or this like guy in SoCal is great. But now the challenge is like, how do you make them feel like they're as part of the team as much as like the three or four or 10 people that can get in and go to happy hour or, or at least like get drinks in some other time. And so being overly inclusive, again, like it gets down to communication. It's not just like what you're saying, but how, like how much you're saying it or like making sure you're saying it to everybody. Uh, because now that we've got over 40 folks in the barn, we just need to keep repeating. We'll have, you know, probably double that in the next, within, within six months. And then of course, we've been also very intentional of hiring a handful of cruise director type folks on the team that it's just in their blood uh, <laughs> to, to, to always have the joke of the day or to, to, to make sure they're reaching out, but like intentionality, any relationship, you just can't like say it's a good relationship. We're just going to like rest on our laurels here. And whether it's with your spouse or with its kids, or if it's your colleague, you need to be very intentional about it and building the relationship and the culture. And, and one of those big cultural milestones, especially in, in the tech startup space is raising a round of financing. I wanted to congratulate you all on, on raising your, your recent series A. What was that celebration like? Were you able to, to get together at all in person? Tell yeah, me about that. It was, it was, it, I'm, I'm laughing because it was, it was actually uh, a little mistake that we made. So we did celebrate it, but we and so one thing we're doing is we're flying our team down to to our headquarters on a, on a somewhat regular basis, so that we're at least like quarterly where everyone can come in. And we have a team in California, we have a team in Florida, and and we actually celebrated it a few times because it's tough to get everyone to, to travel at the same time. So someone laughing because like we had to actually have like a few celebrations because we didn't want anyone to feel to feel like left behind. Now again, we have I mean within reason. But like, I mean, again, being very intentional and in realizing that you may have to do things or say things again and again. So I gave two congratulatory toasts, so to speak, to my team. Was the first uh, because, one or the second one better, in your opinion? Oh, the second one was way better. <laughs> it was way better. Anyway, so so thank. By the way, thanks thanks for the round. Comment on the round. Um, 
when you're working, you know, for the last year and a half when we were working remotely, you're working in your house, you're having Zoom calls, but you have no idea if it's, it's, it doesn't feel real. And then to actually have like 50 or 100 people in a room and their families in a room together and be like, holy cow, like, like, this is awesome that we've, we've, that like, we've got, we've built this incredible team to, to tackle this really big, this really big challenge within the industry. That's exciting. How, how do you feel building a startup in the pandemic compares to pre-pandemic as far as how those milestones feel? I, I mean, for me in the pandemic, it also, it, it made me appreciate those more just for the things that are no longer in the normal day-to-day experience. So having those big accomplishments almost feels better to me, but also different because you had mentioned being in a virtual environment for so long. It's like, what is real and what is not? Um, so I wanted to yeah. get your, your thoughts and, and experience on that. I mean, the pandemic sucks, right? There's certainly some parts of it that, that are like, we'll look back and like be happy with them. We can spend time with our kids or, or families, but like, it's, it would be great to not, be, it'd be great to, I don't know, at least my, there are certain things that, that, you know, stand out, like certainly diamonds in the rough. And you look at like all these, all the shit that people have had to go through over the last year. But at times you almost feel that we've had this level of success. And it'd be great to like actually be able to do it with everyone in one room rather than like with all social distancing. But like, if that's what helps get us out of it, then, then we're going to do, we're going to try. That's certainly weird. I don't know. I wish I could say it. I wish I could say it was better. I mean, it's, it's just weird. It doesn't feel bad. I'm glad that like, it feels real because now that we have like some parts of it, but it, it's just, uh, I think weird is the right answer. No, so my, my view on it. I'm with you. It's a weird, weird. It definitely sums it up. You had mentioned about reaching out to your team with intentionality. What are some ways that your community organizers internally, what are some ways that they have had that intentional outreach that you've been surprised about the impact companies nowadays are, are trying to find what works for them. Wanted to hear about some of those surprise learnings where you tried something and it had a, just an outsized impact more so than you were expecting. Well, that's a good question. One thing I've asked a number of folks on the team to do is, is so one is like cross-functional reach outs. There's nothing no rocket science there. That's something that companies have wanted to have, have tried to do for a long while. But like asking people to have like those cross-functional and even like one-on-one or like small groups, like three people together, even over Zoom, where like you can actually try not to talk about work and, and actually ask, like, try to get a sense of like how that person's doing. It, not everyone's going to open up in the same way that they might two beers in like at a bar. But I think it's important for people to know that they have an option to, there's been a, a handful of, especially going through this pandemic where like friends have died, families died, and just really like um, very, very rough situations. We want to make sure that we give an opportunity to everyone just to talk about that. Boy, who would have thought all this uh, leadership stuff? This is why like nine times out of 10, when I'm talking to other founders, we're talking about culture. We're talking about building rapport. We're talking about how to improve communication, avoid squashing like if, if, if there's ever like a he said she said like or he said he like a little disagreement about whatever we have that conversation and bring it to the front so it doesn't fester but try to address things a little bit more head-on but i don't think there's anything special about what we're doing so to speak i think everyone's in the same boat and, and it seems like thankfully we're we're toward the end of it or we're getting toward the end of it i should say 
trying to get back to just normal human interactions, whether that's virtually or, or in person, super important. For you, when you were coming out of this, I was a little agoraphobic when my, we first had an office and it was trying to like remind, look up, like look into people's eyes, don't stare at their shoes. It was definitely different. We just got together in Chicago for the first time as a, as a, a large team. We were 130 people now. I would say the vast majority were, were able to travel out to Chicago. And it was interesting to have that, that person-to-person interaction. I will say one thing that I was surprised about, and I'm glad that video calls are such a, a norm now, having never met anyone in person, but being on video calls with a lot of people on the daily, it was nice to... I don't know. It's just this like weird feeling, but also a nostalgic feeling or I've, it feels like I've known you forever. I've never met you. Congrats to, congrats what you guys have done. Uh, Oh, thank you. You guys have grown like a, like a weed or I feel like over the last uh, year and a half. No, I, I, I joined in February of 2021 and I think I was employee like 65 where we've doubled in yeah. eight months, uh, something like that. It's, it's been crazy to see, but going back to the, the virtual setting, I'm, I'm remote first. And so I see the numbers climbing, but it's, it's tough to quantify that internally, how that feels going from 65 people to 130 people. And so having those connecting opportunities in person helps you feel the gravity of all that and reconnects it. So that's been, that's been a, that's been a fun experience for sure. What are you guys doing to, to get your remote team as included in, in, as like the folks that are in Chicago or California? Definitely comes from the top. I think our people organization has done a great job of putting everybody like lowest common denominator. So meetings are, are even now that our two locations have opened back up to, to in-person work, meetings are still virtual first. So when possible, I mean, everything's held over Zoom, even in the conference rooms. And so constant communicate almost to the point of over-communication, but, but it's, it's still nice being, being away from that. Being included on all those meetings, not having any meetings that are just in-person only. Obviously, if the team that needs to be there is in-person, awesome. But if there are other people that need to be involved, I'm always having a virtual option. And then, like you mentioned, those uh, those opportunities to connect outside of a work environment, we do this uh, virtual donut thing on Slack. And it's just this bot that randomly connects three people and nice. is like, hey, get together. Here's some options that work for everybody. And 15 minutes, sometimes 30, depending on, on people's availability. And we just like pick a, a conversation starter especially for people who, who aren't familiar with each other. That's been yeah. awesome. Let's say there's three of us in a, that are going to meet. Two of us are in the same location. Is the virtual first, like all three of us are going to be on Zoom in different locations, even if we're physically in the same, two of us are physically in the same environment? Or do no. you have two people in like the, the conference room? Yeah, it'll be two, two people in the conference room. And then each, each of our conference room has AV equipment, whether a top-down, digital camera with audio equipment in there. We'll have two people physically and then third person virtual. Interesting. The next thing is office. So like not everyone is, you know, going back full time. I don't see going back full time, like in the near term. I don't think so. I'm with you. So then what size office do you get? Right. So uh, do you get like a office for a hundred people, but you're only going to use it two or three days a week? 
It's, it's been a, a big question for for our people folks running the numbers and, and projections there. But it's a, okay, if we, we expect two days a week in person, a lot of it is just overlapping schedules, almost treating everything like a hot desk, like, like you would at WeWork. All right, this is our capacity. Expectations are you're in X days a week. We've got open scheduling and, and almost treating it that way. So just ways to, to still have that collaboration feeling, but, but also be mindful that you're not going to have to have a one dedicated seat for, for every, every headcount in the company. It's an interesting problem. I'm, I'm not jealous of the folks trying to solve that, but they're, they're doing a great job. I think. Well, I, I would like to say that we're more intentional on that, but we're, I mean, like we're trying to figure out as we, or I mean, we're figuring out as we go along and we're trying to figure out as we go along Yeah. Uh, in part, because like our team isn't that large. And so I think once we have like a hundred plus, there's a little bit more overlap and it can almost be chaotic yep. to some degree, as long as you don't have like you know, too many people one day. But that's, that's the next big challenge as we go to like hybrid. Cause it also seems weird to say like, you're going to have an office that is literally not used for certain days which seems like just an incredible waste. It does. Uh, I'm definitely monitoring to see how commercial real estate evolves with, with more and more companies. I think moving to that hybrid hybrid model, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that shakes out and how companies want to approach it. I was back home in Wisconsin and like, it, there was a lot of commercial real estate that was based, but when I'm, when I'm in, uh, when I'm in Florida, which is where one of our offices is, I mean, Everything here is just, there's not the exact opposite. So even within pretty here and back home, it's, it's apples and oranges, right? Cause there's, there's very little capacity. Yeah. Uh, that we're seeing in like office spaces here. I wanted to ask you as an earlier stage founder yourself, Series A, where, where was culture building for you on your priority list? Whether it's creating culture, building communication flows, things like that. Where, where was that on your priority list building trust layer? So I think when you're first starting out, when you're like a pre-seed, you don't call it culture, but in reality, the thing that gets you and your co-founder or like you're the first like four people to like not scream at each other and not murder each other, <laughs> like actually like not quit when, when you're not getting paid or, or you're putting money into it. It's not called culture, but like really you're defining, you're like building the culture. And it is like, the, it's the relationships that, that are keeping you together. And we've been, I've been really blessed. Like my co-founder and I are, we can get along so well. And I mean, when he, when he, when he came here, he crashed at my, my house for, for a couple months and it, it was great, great. So once you get past like the first core group of, of your team, it's got to be at the very, very top because most jobs are like, they can be really dull and boring if, if you don't enjoy what you're, what you're working on. I mean, hell, even if you're a, I don't know, firefighter, I don't know, like fighter pilot or I don't know, whatever, like the coolest jobs you could get, like, like you're not going to stay at them if you got like a crappy team and you don't feel like you're, you're part of, you're part of, you're not like going in the same direction. That's certainly true if you're building software or God forbid, if you're in insurance and you're building software, <laughs> right? Who would so, think to do that? <laughs> so like, oh my Lord, like you really have to like have that be at the very, very top. And if it's not, you're just going to not be able to keep the best folks. 
And so it's not easy and it doesn't happen by itself. And so, and God knows I got to like, like there's definitely areas where we can improve, but it's got to be very intentional and you have to be, you have to. And so in those early stages, did you feel like you had to make any trade-offs to keep culture at the very top? And if so, what, what did some of those things that you had to pass on any opportunities that maybe didn't fit with the, the way you wanted to build culture at Tresslayer? Well, I mean, the pandemic impacted, I had this image of us all working in one location, right? And the proverbial garage, which I was ready to, but just, I mean, you couldn't do that. I would have loved to have everyone show up at like a single, like series A, like event. If some, some people are, you just can't do that. If it's, you've got pandemics or you're trying to like limit the number of people, or you've got, you've got health issues that with some people. So like you need to, there's all sorts of crap that you've got, that we're dealing with that. But like, we're, we're like, we're like everyone else going in and you just have to be, you have to be very intentional about it. But at the same time, you need to be respectful of your team and, and, and place them first. Totally. Hey, John, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. I'll tell you that. And, and we, we definitely don't. Have- so that, that uh, segues perfectly in my last question before we let you go. What does, what does success look like at Trustlayer when it comes to building communication systems on a scaling team, building culture? How do you, what are some, some data points or, or experiences or feedback that you're looking for that, that, lets you, that, that you're on the right track, that you're succeeding in that vision? I think it's so great, great question. I think there's some quantifiable things, whether it's equivalent of like NPS scores for like internally, right. Of like, how was your onboarding? How was this experience? How is this experience that, that can at least provide some sort of clarity into where, where you are measurable. At the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's people wanting to come together. It's hearing from our team that how many, how many virtual happy hours have you guys been invited to? Oh my God. It's then hearing that like, actually you canceled it and like a whole bunch of people wanted to keep going to it. Oh, like fair enough. So like, even if at times some things like get old, actually you're still having fun and a whole lot of people are having fun with it. So yeah, it's not for everyone, but it's, it's giving like optionality and then hearing that people are really like really enjoying and getting excited to come to the office or, or, or get to like, even just like like when they do get together, like that they're really looking forward to that. I think that's, that's really, that's a great signal that, that also when they're, when they're inviting their friends to join our company, <laughs> presumably they're your but like, I, I mean, if, if I wasn't really jazzed about the place I worked at, I wouldn't necessarily be some of my buddies to, to quit their jobs and come here. So right. I think that, I think that says a lot. That's huge. I mean, it, you spend so much time working together during the course of a day and to have people around you that you want to go and hang out with after all of those hours, that's, that yeah. says something to, to that's the success. type of company. It's, it's a, it's a great marker. John, thanks so much for, for coming on the show today. It's been absolutely fantastic. Really hey, interesting thanks conversation. For, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tell, uh, I'm, I'm curious where, where can people go to, to find out more about your work, uh, about Trustlayer and things like that? Just come to trustlayer.io. And if anyone needs anything, don't hesitate to hit me up directly. John at trustlayer.io. Right on. Thanks again, John. That does it for this episode of Beyond the Policy. If you've missed prior episodes and want to catch up, please visit us at howyouinsurethat.com. 
Again, that's howyouinsurethat.com. And to never miss an episode in the future, please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you download and listen to shows. Until next time, thanks for joining us and stay risky.